You're listening to Radio DePaul. I'm Connor Mudd, and this is Tom Talks. Hello and welcome to the second holiday special of Tom Talks. Today we're talking about Vanilla Sky and with me is a very special guest. They have an emotional support snake named Kaya. They got their teaching certification right out of high school and they recently propagated a philodendron. Please welcome to the show Max Bromberg. Hi Connor. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. Uh, how are you? Are you in Boston right now or are you in Chicago? actually just got back like yesterday from Boston so I'm back in Chicago now welcome welcome to to Tom Talks how how has your how has your quarantine been how has COVID been treating you COVID has been a mess (laughs) sure Uh, yeah it's just it's weird because so much of my life is doing stuff in person I mean I'm even just being on campus Mm -hmm. like I have like four campus jobs and all of them are like unreal now because I'm not there. There's like a loss of something, you know? True. Have they like maintained in any way, like virtually? Do you have any virtual positions with campus or? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, so I, I work at DePaul Jewish Life. Mm-hmm. Um, been there for years. Right. And they technically are still existing online, but it's hard because, you know, like, most of what that group was, was like people just meeting up on campus and hanging out. Yeah. So when you don't have that, there's like this big thing, big chunk of stuff missing, you know? Right. Have you done anything to maintain, like to build that community in this time or? Sort of. We've been trying. I think it's tricky because social media is like the way to keep things going, you know? But once everybody finishes with an entire day of required Zoom calls for work and for class, nobody wants to log into another Zoom call that's just people hanging out, you know? True. How, <laughs> so it, there's been some efforts made, but uh, yeah. not necessarily successful ones. <laughs> you know, over time, we'll get to the point where it's like, yeah, we can be on Zoom all day. We'll be fine. Or it'll get better and we will never go on Zoom ever again. <laughs> That is the dream. I mean, hey, Zoom Zoom does like a good job. They've they've done good things. Like good job to this company for making quarantine slightly better so we can actually see our families. But yeah, it's actually funny because I was talking to my brother about this at one point, my other brother, and he was saying that like we've been talking on the phones with our families like so much more than we usually do. Yeah. You know, like I've been, I talk to my grandma like once a week. Wow. Yeah. On Zoom, we have like a family Zoom call and we all just talk. So I've seen my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my, my grandma. I actually, when I was back in Boston, I, I actually saw in person, my um, mom's dad, which was pretty nice. Yeah. We were, it was his birthday. Actually, I think his birthday is coming up 80 years old. Pretty old guy. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Making it up there. Yeah, getting up there. So we were like distancing, but we got to actually see them. But yeah, I'm just calling a lot more people, which is nice. 
How is how is Kaya been? She's good. Oh my gosh, can I grab her? Yes, bring the snake. She's she's been good. I so I was gone for two weeks. I actually have to feed her today because I was gone for two weeks, and mm. um, she eats every two weeks. Kaya is so such a us? good snake. <laughs> She's a good girl. Yeah, I, I always tell people she's a really good starter snake. She won't do anything to you. She's too scared. She's such a fraidy cat. Well, how old is she now? I think she would be, I want to say she's five, maybe wow. maybe six. I think she's five. She's still really young because she's still pretty small. How, um, how, big, how big could she get? I saw an 18-year-old ball python recently that was like probably like five and a half or six feet long. And Jeez. like- tennis ball size around wow what do you feed that i have rabbits, rabbits at that point rabbits. It... no you still do rats okay they have, rats like really range in size i feed her the medium ones and they're like this big without the tail oh wow they're hefty so That's... the big ones are like seven inches long i don't know if i could handle that i don't i think i'd be fine with the snake i'm not scared of the snake but handling the dead mice and dead rats i think would be where i draw the line but I, I don't know, oh, and this is probably going to be way too much information, but I don't think I could handle feeding live because mm-hmm. they um, they squeak until they die. Ooh. So like if the snake is like suffocating it, then they'll just like start squeaking until the rat dies. And then it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to that like yeah. horror movie. <laughs> no, not at all. Noise canceling headphones or, you know, Literally. Like plexiglass on the, on the snake case, <laughs> like <laughs> keep it out. <laughs> Oh yeah, she's. I remember the first time I got her, I tried to feed her a live rat. Mm-hmm. I'm, honestly, I'm grateful that she didn't take it because if she had taken it, I probably would have had to continue feeding her live rats. Oh sure. Well, this this is Tom talks. We should probably talk some Tom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> might be what we need to do. How how familiar would you say you are with Tom Cruise's filmography? I would say, I, okay, so I'm the person who watches a movie and looks at somebody who's like super famous in the movie and then looks them up on IMDb because I don't know who they are. <laughs> um, I'm curious what what Tom Selleck film is on deck for today. Well, Tom Cruise, not Tom, Tom Selleck. Tom Cruise, oh but... my God. <laughs> um... <laughs> this is how you know I don't know anything about people. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. to, today's episode... Um, I, I'm talking about Vanilla Sky as Cameron Diaz and Penelope Cruz, um, who you might know them, maybe. I, yeah, vaguely. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's about it's about dreams and prosthetic surgery, and it's really weird. Uh, of any Tom Cruise movie you might know, what what would you say your favorite would be? I'm going to need you to give me some options. Okay, his his popular ones are Top Gun, Mission Impossible, Rain Man, Jerry Maguire. Oh, um, I think if I was to pick one for you, like if I was to recommend one, I would probably recommend Interview with a Vampire, The Vampire Chronicles, which is technically the highest grossing LGBTQ film of all time. However, that categorization is a little problematic, but according to- They've been producing some recently. They've been been producing some really gay movies. That's true, but Interview with a Vampire was really, really high grossing, um, and was also very gay. 
Is um, it because it's a Tom Cruise movie that it was so high grossing, do you think? Yes, it's Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Oh, oh, and they are the gay lovers? Yes, and Antonio Banderas and Christian Slater and um, Kirsten Dunst also is in that movie. Wow. It's a great film. Um, it's terrible, but it's phenomenal. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I am always one who will watch a gay movie for the sake of watching a gay movie. Yeah, it, it, it's not explicit, but it's heavily implicit. So that's why I think that the, the website that refers to it as the top grossing LGBTQ movie, it's a little, I'm shaky about it. I don't know how accurate that is, but. Like it's not made necessarily to be an LGBT movie. Right. The, the sequels of the books definitely lean more into them being gay, but the movie, it's really just like, a little bit of, a little bit of spice, so to speak. Um, a little spice. Oh man, I've been watching too many TikToks. Um, well, okay. The the next two questions are questions that I ask uh, all my guests. The first, what is the most Tom Cruisey thing that you have ever done? The most Tom Cruisey thing I've ever done. And that that's up to my discretion on what a Tom Cruisey thing is? Yes, pretty much. Um, Everyone has their own definitions. I would say, um, I would say something that's pretty Tom Cruisey that I do. And maybe this is, maybe this is a poor definition. But I would say not going any less than 70 miles an hour down Lakeshore. <laughs> usually I'm, usually I'm flying like 80, 85 down Lakeshore. <laughs> That's very, that's very Tom Cruise-y. With that 40 mile an hour speed limit, like just do that thing where you like switch around lanes just to get around those slower cars. Yeah, Lakeshore is a, uh, a road that you gotta go fast. There's no exactly. slow driving. Exactly. I don't usually do that. Like I'm not annoying normally when I'm driving and I don't like to go back and forth between lanes to get around cars unless I'm driving down Lakeshore. Yeah, then it's a necessity. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Anybody who goes less than 60 miles an hour down Lakeshore doesn't live in Chicago or doesn't oh. drive in Chicago, at least. They just take the train. <laughs> yeah, your lame 35 mile an hour train. Oh. Um, well, the, the next question is hardly a question, but I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, to have one minute where you can talk to Tom Cruise. If Tom ever listens to the show, I'm going to supercut all of the minutes from all of the episodes so that he can hear... Uh, all of the messages to him. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> this is your opportunity to say whatever you want to him, to ask him any questions. Once you're ready, we can start the minute and I'll hold up the timer here. Oh, wow. A whole minute. Okay, I'm ready for my minute. Okay, <laughs> one minute starting now. Okay, Tom Cruise, I would like to ask you, I almost just said Tom Selleck again. Tom Cruise, I would like to ask you how you are so handsome and how you how you stayed in the movie industry for so long first of all there are not that many people who have been in the movies for as long as you have that's a long time some like what like like 30 40 50 years 80s doing stuff in the 80s i don't think he was doing anything in the 70s um i'm also curious about what makes you special like besides being famous like okay yeah we can all be famous we want to but what makes you special what makes you different what makes you you tom cruise are you are you a, are you a special person or are you just a movie star 
is that's what I want. I, I really need to know. Are you a regular human being? Are you a special regular human being? Are you a, okay, I'm done. I nailed, nailed it. Two, two 10 seconds. out of 10. Right. <laughs> that's, those are good. Those are valid questions. You know, I feel, you know, those, um, those like uh, uh, magazines that have those articles that say, so-and-so, they're just like us. You know, like Justin Bieber picks up prescription medications from his local CVS. Like, you know, just like us. Like, just like us. So, like, what I I wonder what makes him just like us. All right. Well, now is time for a commercial break. We'll be back with a game after this. This is Tom Scared for the Borgen Project. Each year, nearly two million children die from preventable diseases. Each day. 30,000 people die from hunger. 500 each hour are children. The Borgen Project is turning this around. We need your help. To learn more, go to borgenproject.org. That's B-O-R-G-E-N project.org. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin. And deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Radio DePaul. I'm Connor Mudd, and this is Tom Talks. I'm here with Max, and we are going to play Eight Nights of Dreams. It is our special Vanilla Sky Hanukkah game. Basically, what we're going to do is we uh, I've pulled up eight different dreams featured on an online dream forum. We're going to go back and forth reading them, and we're going to try and, you know, figure out what that dream is about and give it a, give it a, a rating, you know, like a Yelp rating uh, for how good the dream is uh, out of... I don't know, sheep? We can count sheep. That's what we'll do. So out of five sheep, how good is that dream? Is that, um, is that one sheep is not good and mm-hmm. five sheep are good? Okay. Yes, it's classic Yelp. So we'll go back and forth. I'll, I'll start us off reading the first dream as it's written. Uh, and then uh, we'll go through eight nights of dreams for <laughs> our Vanilla Sky Hanukkah game. This first dream comes to us uh, from user Letty Mortis. I'm at my high school getting ready to leave. My friend is fiddling with something and turns into a super cyan from Dragon Ball Z and starts fighting Goku. She touches his hair and it turns a different color and he starts to go back to normal. Her brother is trying to figure something out with a teacher, digging stuff up that was thrown away. I go outside and the sky is dark. It gets windy and about to hail. I fall to the ground and get back up. I see my aunt in the distance with a funnel and a tube. 
She's helping my youngest niece with a project. As I pass them, they pour liquid in the funnel and it fizzed everywhere. I'm in my car, but I'm sitting up higher than I should be. I'm listening to my music, but it starts to repeat words because the album ended. I turn into the school parking lot really fast and go in a circle until I almost crash into an old green car and a white Mustang. Jonathan, an old crush from school, and someone else are by the cars. They come to my window and I try to turn down my music, but it's stuck. I panic and unplug my phone. Jonathan is trying to set me up with the other guy. He's talking to me about his music and I don't listen because I see his eyes dilate so much that his pupils take over his eyeballs. I look back at Jonathan and I can see the stubble on his face. I want so bad to just kiss him. Next minute, I am sitting with him at a table or desk, my legs draped across his. He seems kind of skinny. There's a big chunk of orange and green Play-Doh like substance on the table that, that he says is medicine because he has a small heart or he had a small heart when he was born. There's also a clipboard with some kind of papers and uh, on it and a zip bag with something like my wish, my work, my bills on it. I try to write as much as I can down on the papers so I won't forget. But as soon as I write something, I can barely see it. He talks about social media and how Android has, was harassing him about light bulbs. So he quit social media. I ask about his phone number and he tells me, but I can't see what I write and he keeps changing the numbers. Finally, I take his phone and message myself. On my phone, he comes up as Eric. He's been wanting me to take some gum. So I take a piece of a stick and he takes the other piece. And that's it. That's the dream. That was Some, a really incoherent dream. Right? How do they remember that much of it to share it on the internet? I was thinking that too. Maybe I'm the only one, but I don't remember my dreams very often. Right? Very rarely, especially like all of the little details. I might have remembered yeah. one thing like, oh, there was Play-Doh. And maybe I know the colors. You know, I have to say it, it really went from, uh, it like just get, got more, like more and more convoluted. But why did it start with Goku? Right. That was my first thought too. Like where did the, I was expecting that to kind of like come back. Yeah. At the end, but it didn't. It just went away. You know what? Dreams be like that though. This one's definitely an incoherent one. I have no idea how to interpret it. Um, yeah, I was. I wouldn't. I would not be able to. I think provide a good oracle understanding of this. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I mean, it sounds like they've got a lot of thinking to do about Jonathan. And why is Jonathan know, Eric? Why did it come up as Eric? I was thinking that too. Maybe had Jonathan been like messing with them, right? Or maybe like in her subconscious, Jonathan has changed so much. He's a different person now. He's, he's a different Eric person. now. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, for me, this is like a, this is a, an on par. I'd give this like a two and a half sheep. Yeah, I was going to say no more than three sheep for this one. Yeah, there, there's no. But honestly, I'm impressed by the amount of detail. So I might go as far as three. Yeah, okay. I yeah, I can see I can see it as a three. It's non-coherent, but so much detail. So much um, detail. Yeah, so much random, random stuff on there. I was you. expecting something horrible too. And it said there was a big chunk of orange and green Play-Doh-like substance. At first, I thought because it said my legs were draped across his, I was going to mm -hmm. be like, oh, maybe he's like Gumbo or Gumby. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like green, like stretchy guys. All, all Gumby-like. That would be that'd be a funny dream if her childhood crush turned into Gumby. Turned now, that'd be Gumby. a five sheep dream right there. <laughs> Keep the thread of transformation alive. Well, <laughs> he looks like Gumby, but his name is actually Eric. <laughs>
yeah so that's that's how this game is gonna go we'll have we'll have you read aloud the this second one I'll, I'll pull it up right here this one's titled bad dream overall by user comet fire a two okay in a hotel looking for oprah she had the entire floor to herself and lots of stuff slash items everywhere i really had no desire to want to find her but i could hear her digging around in a room somewhere so i decided to leave there were some housekeepers that asked me what i was doing i told them i was looking for oprah and i continued to leave but the ceiling seemed lower I got to an elevator and went up floors. I recall sitting down in the elevator, not enjoying the ride up. I reached a room where my mom was. There were two beds and it seemed as if other family members were there, but not in the same room at the time. There were clothes in bags on the bed. I told her I wanted to lie down. She said I could not and that I had to lay on the floor. I recall her becoming very distraught and we, <laughs> and we started arguing. <laughs> There was a swimming pool right outside of the room with junk around it. There was something very odd about this pool. We were fighting and she fell in. She died a horrible death death, as if the pool water was corrosive and she dissolved in a struggle. It was terrible. There There was something about a giant water pump connected to the pool with a steel concrete cap that needed to be moved to fix the problem. However, it was immovable. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so I would like to go back to Goku from the last one. Yeah. And ask where Oprah went in this one. Right. Like she's just rummaging through some stuff somewhere and he doesn't care anymore. Um, and I, I have a follow-up question also about the swimming pool. So the swimming pool is in the bedroom. Or it's it, it's outside of the room. Right outside the room with Junk Red. But but she's but she fell in it and weren't they fighting in the room this one this one definitely baffles me i, I don't i don't think in i think interpreting it i feel like his mom's a hoarder and he associates oprah with his mom that's what i'm feeling here yeah i'm definitely getting some hoarding tendencies and then maybe he watched like wizard of oz recently and like you know the melting of the bucket of water sort of thing that's that's kind of what I'm picking up here, but also, what honor? <laughs> yeah, poor mom. I wonder. I'm always curious about um, how people feel when they wake up from dreams. Like, like I don't know. Sometimes I, sometimes I fight with my mom. But like, I would, if I woke up from a dream where my mom died, I would be in a state. And some of the like some of the ones that I found on the dream forum were like, when I woke up, I was sad and confused. This person didn't include that insight, but. I'm certain they, they called it a bad dream. That sounds like a bad dream. I doubt their day was good after this. Yeah, seriously, no kidding. And, and you know what else I have to say? I think that there was just as much detail in this dream as there was in the previous dream. And it's like half the length. It's also, this one felt a lot more coherent. Yes. Um, it felt like there, there was an arc. It was like, okay, I was looking for Oprah, but then on a different floor, my mom was there. Rather yeah, than I wonder if she Goku. was so she so he, they were looking for Oprah. Oh, and then decided to leave. So he just gave up on on looking for Oprah. On Oprah. That one, you know, I like that one. There's at least a four. I yeah, would give it four sheep out of five. Four four sheep out of five. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. All right, the next one, titled "A Vivid and Ethereal Dream," uh, by Adam Wolf at Large. 
excuse you, that's Adam Wolf at sign large. At sign large. True. There's there's only about 10 different people who write on this dream forum, like 10 or 12. And two of them have written at least 20 times. And those are my favorites. We haven't, I mean, Comet has written like 15, but we'll get to um, one of each of my two favorite people who just write down every dream they have on this forum. So uh, Adam Wolf at large at sign large writes the dream 1989 Hurricane Hugo hit Charlotte on September 21st, 1989. My brother and I were one of the lucky ones that got power restored within several days. My brother Scott and his wife Meg would stay with us during the day so they could have access to electricity. Probably about a week after the hurricane, I returned to the apartment exhausted after another grueling day at the print shop. I went upstairs to take a nap. This is the dream. I'm standing on a small mountain with friends. My home is on top of the mountain. It's not a house, but more like a mansion. <laughs> Colors are extremely vivid in this dream. The grass is vividly green. The sky is the bluest of blue. As I said, the mansion is on top of the mountain, and I look up. A rainbow is arching over the top of the house into the horizon. When I say rainbow, I mean a huge rainbow, as wide as an interstate highway. Then we are back at the house in the backyard. Naturally, because it's on the side of the mountain, the yard slopes down. Same green grass. I look up to the sky where the rainbow uh, has went off into the distance. I can see the moon as it looks during the day, as well as the planet Saturn. Saturn is just as clear in the sky as the moon. Then I wake up. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Okay, so just a clarification, that first bit is just, that's just setting the context yeah. for the dream. That didn't happen within the dream. I was wondering. <laughs> Hurricane Hugo was a real thing. <laughs> that would have been funny, though, if in the dream he took a nap and had a more obscure <laughs> dream. I was just imagining, like, you know, at the beginning of some movies, it'll just be like, it'll it'll be a, a, like a background of like a cityscape or a, a black background or something, and it'll just say... Mm -hmm. Like Paris, 1943, you know? The dream, 1989. Exactly. Like it just says the dream, 1989. My question is, why in November of 2020 is he posting his dream from the 80s online? It's <laughs> a really good question. It's been some time. And how does he remember it so vividly? Well, you know, I'm certain there are details missing, but boy, was that grass green. Yeah, seriously. Although, actually, now that I think about it, there are definitely a few dreams that I remember from when I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. Just, like, random things about dreams. Yeah. And this one, I mean, it's very, very vibrant, uh, very vivid, as he said a couple times. But I don't know what was happening. Interpreting this, I genuinely don't no is he happy that his uh brother and his brother's wife are staying with him and this dream is like he's on a mountain he's on a in a nice mountain he, his house is electricity so he's happy i don't know like I know, this... i'm curious like i feel like maybe he maybe he wants to take like he wants the context to explain the dream like like almost create the interpretation from the context, you know? Right. 
like I, I feel if he had not included the context about the fact that like it had been, I mean, Hark and Hugo presumably it was rainy and windy and like seemed really horrible. And so a huge rainbow was like reaching the other side of that horrible storm. But yeah. I feel like if we didn't have that previous context, we wouldn't make the connection about it being about. Yeah, I don't know. This one's only a two sheep for me. I think. I agree. I was gonna say. I was gonna say two sheep. We'll we'll go on to the next one. The next one is by one of the people who has done like forty of these recently, um, and he writes them all like slam poetry. So you you could read this uh, oh, sip no, of alcohol by. Yeah, by by Ozzy underscore musician. <clears throat> Dream from Jan 23rd, 20. The location is a pub, club, or whatever else, wherever else beer is sold. I'm sitting at the bar and I order two drinks. One is a fruit drink, be it apple, pineapple, or other. It's in a small glass cup. And the other one is a small portion of alcohol, which is in a small plastic cup. I have ordered it to sip it simply to taste it. The color of it is not appealing as it looks like petrol or something. Apparently I have already had some of the fruit drink. As for the alcohol, there is too much in the cup. So I sip some to taste it. Eww, yuck. It tastes absolutely horrendous. It isn't quite the stench of sewage, but it's close enough to it for it to be horrendous. Oh, never again. Why did I bother? And I woke up with the taste of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's my favorite one so far. <laughs> this guy, oh my God. He, he has really long ones too that he writes in the same format of just single line at a time. <laughs> I'll have to um I'll have to read some of these. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I I love that he orders two drinks, but he has no idea what's in them. I think that's my favorite part of this. It could be apple or pineapple or other. <laughs> I love that, yeah. I also like how they phrase it be it apple instead of it could be like be it apple, right? be it pineapple or other. <laughs> this one definitely this is a very fun one. The, this is one of my favorites that I found. It's not my favorite. You will see my favorite. I'm ready. Um, I'm, honestly, the the, uh, the like slam poetry style, I think just by itself already gives this one like higher marks. Yeah. That's and the way the dreams should be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's how Shakespeare describes his dreams, you know? Yeah, just one line at a time. That's all. One line at a time. Yeah, this is a fun one. I honestly, this could be a five sheeper. I think I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a 4.5 because I never okay. like giving a five until I, until I have all, you know, let me, let's, uh, let's give our other four nights a chance. Sure. And then the, we'll see it might come back and, and, and have a five, but I'm going to yeah. give it a 4.5 sheet. Cool. On the, the last four nights of uh, weird dream Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one's, this one's hefty. This is from Nancy detective. Um, Nancy detective has written so many of her dreams on this forum uh, and they're all wild. So we're going to dive into it. It's titled Weird Dream Disney Pixar plus Harry Potter. And she posted this when she posted this May 9th, 2020. And this is a long one. So I'm going to do it double speed. 
I had this dream last night. It was a two-part dream due to the fact that I had to get up to go to the bathroom. But the main thing was that I was on some kind of assignment or something to do with rescuing the three main characters from Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph, Vanellope, and what's the other guy's name from Ralph's video game? So I had to save them from someone. It's hard to tell, but I think my dream self had history with this person. Well, anyway, besides that, I was on the assignment, like Harry Potter from the Harry Potter series. I had a bit of a reputation of saving people thing. But the weirdest part of the dream is that instead of them being in like a dungeon or something, they and a bunch of other characters, I couldn't tell you who they are, but my mission was basically uh, a bunch of blurs, uh, were kept in something between a mall food court and my high school's cafeteria. Except for some reason, it had windows. <laughs> I do some magic on the doors with a wand, aka Harry Potter except I never went to a magic school, uh, and I don't think I was homeschooled. But when I unlocked the door, the faceless slash unknown villain, who for some reason was sitting uh, at, like, the table, that what little I could see of her, uh, somehow knew I was there. This is incoherent. Uh, and she somehow started to come over where I was between two doors, but I changed size, like rat size, and was able to run over very quickly through the window and change back to normal size and uh, at the table and told the three people there to follow me. For some reason, there was uh, a down escalator right beside their table, and we go down it. For some reason, I ended up saying something about throwing Vanellope to me, but I woke up from that part of the dream. <laughs> so she gets up, she goes to the bathroom, she comes back, and the dream continues. This is stamina. I, I went back to sleep, and apparently, prior to getting uh, to this weird dungeon, I, I kind of somehow borrowed Harry Potter's formerly serious Black's motorcycle without his permission, as well as one room. But on the race out of the building, I yelled over my shoulder to Ralph to ask Vanellope a question, and only she and he would know the answer to, but I know that two smallish people wouldn't fit on one room, and yet somehow Harry Potter himself came to my aid, and he took one, and I took the other one. <clears throat> the, the whole reason I borrowed the motorcycle was due to Ralph's size. But it's not exactly clear what happened next. But after the flying through the air, a while, uh, we landed someplace and created tents for the three people, and Harry, from his experience from Deathly Hollow's story, gave us some food. Uh, he never leaves his house without food in case of a similar scenario happening, and my dream self had the feeling uh, she would turn herself in, even though I was a good guy. I think my dream self did, because my second time waking up, my dream self was tied up. That was so confusing to read. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. Yeah, I got lost in the middle there a little bit. But you know what? Like, that's the way dreams are. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think... I don't even think there's interpreting to do. I think she just watched Wreck-It Ralph and Harry Potter. And Harry Potter, hey. right. <laughs> but also knows way too much about Harry Potter. Yeah. And, like, really random details, though. Right? Like, I can tell you, I'm actually in the middle right now of rereading all the Harry Potter books because yeah. the last time I read them was when they were coming out. Mm -hmm. And, like, of course, J.K. Rowling is extremely problematic, Ooh. but the books are really good, <laughs> except for the fact that they, like, you know, <clears throat> describe the goblins as Jews, but it's fine. <clears throat> um, uh, oof. I mean, and that's, like, not even including her, the transphobia. That's not something I'm going to get into. Um, that's for another podcast. For another podcast. This uh, is kind of funny. I mean, uh, a, a little disappointing that she didn't know who Fix-It Felix was. Because the game is called Fix-It Felix, not Wreck-It Ralph. And like, I don't know. There's details that I wanted from this that we didn't get. Yes. And I think that she could have told us things in better ways than parentheticals. Because uh, every time I like trailed off in the wrong direction, it's when she wrote something in parentheses that were exceedingly just over the top and really weird. Yeah. So like, I, you, like adding like weird, unnecessary details. Yeah. And like not explaining the more necessary details. For sure. This one's not, not going to rate very high from me. I don't even know. And although I do have to say it, it, it has, it has a little bit more of a story arc than many of them do. True. And it had an intermission. And, okay, that is impressive. Yeah. Not to mention that usually when I wake up, I just don't go back to sleep. But never have I ever in my life woken up from a dream, gone, gotten up, gone to the bathroom, came back, and had the same dream. Like That's you said, stamina, really that is true. Yeah, I don't know. This one's, this one's a, a two and a half, I think. Two and a half sheep for me. Because it's impressive yeah. for the stamina, but... 
I don't know. Yeah. It's tough to read. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a three because I didn't have to read it. <laughs> Valid. Oh, all right. This next one is titled Taco Bell Unknown City. And this we're getting to the ones that people have actually like commented on. This is from January of 2020. Uh, from Comet Fire uh, Ato, uh, you, you, your turn to read. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read the first comment, too, because it's funny. <clears throat> Taco Bell Unknown City. Going to Taco Bell, but it was closed. I found a window and climbed through it. It was dark inside, obviously. There was a worker there, and he offered to make me free food. Upon leaving this place, I realized that I was far from home in an unknown city. I got off the bus and asked the driver for directions. The driver got off the bus and we started walking down a highway and into a neighborhood. I was in a hurry to get to a key location so that I could get home. There was a child behind me, a small girl wearing shoes, trying to keep up with me and the driver. She stumbled in her shoes, but regained her balance. We made it to a location, but I was having problems using my phone GPS as noisy children were around me. I remember becoming frustrated. And then the first comment is, do you like Taco Bell? And if we look at the commenter, it's Ozzy underscore musician. Oh, wow. And Ozzy underscore musician is the one who does the one in like. Yeah, he does the weird, the weird slam poem once. Yeah. This one, this one's fun to me. (laughs) It's so simple. Yeah, I think the part that really gets me because I, you know, Bus drivers are definitely the right drivers to, or the right people to ask for directions. Yeah. If you're lost and you need help and you see a bus pulling up, like stop at the bus stop and just ask the driver for directions and they'll be able to tell you. But I have never seen a driver get off of their bus and go walk <laughs> along a highway. <laughs> right? Who are the passengers on the bus? Right. Is the bus empty? Did the bus driver, like, I really need some details about this bus driver. <laughs> I love that they broke into a Taco Bell, though. I I also enjoy that they broke it and got free food out of it. I've never successfully eaten in my dreams. I think that would be wonderful because Dream I, Taco I, Bell is probably on another level. Probably delicious because it it's all the good things about Taco Bell without pooping your pants afterwards. Yeah, I think I don't know if I were to like interpret this dream. <laughs> I don't even. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can interpret it honestly. Some key notes are being in an unknown place, mm-hmm. being hungry, and being followed by children. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was a school bus driver, and the the children were coming. Were the children who were like walking behind him? The girl with the the big shoes. Yeah, maybe maybe they and and it says that there were at the end. It says I was having problems using my phone as noisy children were around me. So it must have been, it was a little girl just at first, but then more of them must be added. So maybe it is a school bus. And this dreamer has some issues that they have to work out. (laughs) I'm going to give this one like a solid three and a half sheep. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's not quite a five or a four and a half, but it's, it's a solid three and a half sheep. I like that. It, It gets above halfway. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you broke into a Taco Bell. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that that beats a lot of things. <laughs> awesome. We'll go to the next one. This one's titled "Carrots Priest People Dying." Oh, no. Uh, posted by Lady of Avalon, uh, October 2020. 
My family had been growing carrots in the garden. In this dream, my neighbor, an old biker, was our lodger. He and my family ate some carrots from the garden. The rest got turned into skincare products of the Yes to Carrots brand. We put some of the skincare products on. I was rubbing an orange cream moisturizer or something into my face. Then I was in the living room and my father was unconscious on the floor. My sister said our mom was unconscious too in the annex of our house. I called an ambulance, then called the local priest who helped us a lot in the dream, not in real life. He said he would come around. I went to the annex to check on my mom, uh, but she was fine, standing and conscious. She said my dad was fine and that he was just lying down because of a nasal problem. I was angry with my sister and called the priest to cancel his visit, but there was no answer as he was already on his way. I was mortified that I had made him come all the way out here for nothing. Then there was a married couple where the wife died. She died at the height of her beauty and slimness, and I was a little jealous that she'd never get fat or old. <laughs> then I realized while she'd still had uh, physical beauty, she'd never had a chance to grow and develop her soul, which is what really counts. Maybe she'd even go to hell if her soul wasn't good enough. I realize that your soul is more important than your physical body. <laughs> that one took a turn. Um, it, it, especially because there's nothing that says like, then I saw this couple and I saw that this woman had died. She just says, then there was a very young couple and the wife died. Yeah. And, it, and it's in a different paragraph and it's like a separate like but obviously the same dream. It looks like her whole family is focused on their beauty in the first half with moisturizer and such. And then her parents are dead and then they're not. I don't know. This what I would like to elaborate also on the yes to carrots brand because first is that a real brand? And second, if it's not a real brand, are you telling me that this lady created a brand for her dream? Oh my God, Yes to Carrots is a real brand. Why is she dreaming about Yes to Carrots? Oh my gosh, they actually make, oh, I've seen these Yes to, I know what this is. Like I've seen like Yes to Cucumbers. Yes. Yeah, that, that's kind of weird that she was dreaming specifically because this brand is just yes too and then there's like a million different fruits and vegetables but so, very specifically yes to yes carrots. carrots yeah <laughs> and then everybody was unconscious and then everybody was conscious again and it seems like none of them really knew that they were unconscious yeah it just kind of was a passing moment it seems like, oh, yeah, I thought he was dead. He's not dead. He's just unconscious. He's lying down because of a nasal problem. From a nasal problem. <laughs> That's not even... And I'm curious about this priest. It seems to me like this person is probably a person of faith, but maybe they're just sure. a person of faith in their dreams because they did say that he helped a lot in the dream, but not in real life. Right. And, I mean, because the... The the second half, or I guess second th or third third or whatever right. of this, she goes into like the soul, like developing your soul, which it feels like something a person of faith cares about in their subconscious. So I don't, it, yeah. I'm curious about. I'm curious about that. I I think that um, this is ininterpretable. <laughs> yeah, as too convoluted, Lady of Avalon. <laughs>
It's, um, en- it's enjoyable though, but. It is enjoyable. I do enjoy how specific it is. And I do feel a story arc kind of, mm-hmm. sort of. There, there are some present themes. There is thematic. I don't know how I'd rate it though. I wouldn't, I don't think I would go above a three. Yeah. But I'm very picky and I don't get fives very often, so. True. Yeah, I think I'd agree. I think three sheeps, three, three out of five sheeps. But okay, are you ready for the final night of dreams? I'm so ready. I'm, I'm hoping that you save the best for last. Oh, oh, did I? Be my guest, read away. Oh, there's attachments. This there's attachments exciting. to this one. Okay. <clears throat> this is titled My Weirdest Dream by Sasha Three. Okay. Ooh. In my dream, a sexy liquid metal man had sex with me. His name is Busta, and he and I were lovemaking. I had pajamas on, but his entire body was silver except for his face. Busta would hold me while kissing me on my neck. When he morphed into liquid, Busta would kiss me on my stomach. I really loved him and the sex. The dream ended when he told me he loved me, tickled me and hugged me, gave me a kiss on the forehead, cheek, neck and lips with his watery figure of himself. And he morphed into a silver liquid and left. This is what he looks like. That there's a picture of Busta as a solid. And then another picture. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the, the second picture is titled Busta as a liquid watery figure of himself. And the third is just Busta as a liquid. <laughs> oh my God. Like sex dreams are one thing, but sexy liquid metal sex dreams are a whole other ball game. Right? <laughs> Like, why is she picturing, like, the silver surfer? Like, <laughs> who is this man? When, they say, when I hear bust, I think Busta rhymes. Right. Okay. And if we, I think, if we oh, there's scroll down, there's, there's a comment, and there's somebody who's attempting to interpret this. Okay. Um, so someone, Ozzy Musician, wants to know if she's had such dreams before. I don't know. It, this is her weirdest dreams so probably not yeah presumably not and then someone who is i mean obviously more of an expert in dreams than us explains what it means to have men in your dreams um and then is like it's gotta be busta rhymes an american rapper are you possibly thinking about the idea of rapping (laughs) says elise van z in a comment on halloween this year love how detailed this is the liquid metal can suggest the idea that you have been one that could test your metal, but spelled M-E-T-T-L-E. That's great. That is a test where you to see what you're really made of. You know that um that stuff, gosh, what's that metal that like it melts at like um, body temperature? Mercury. No, there's another oh, well, not mercury. mercury you can like uh, hold gallium. Gallium. Yeah, yeah. Um that's what that third picture kind of reminds me of. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Yep, it's just it's just gallium. The second creep the the second picture is creepy. <laughs> Super creepy. He's terrified. The first picture is creepy. I don't know. 
something's going on in this woman's life. Something is going on in this person's life. Yeah, seriously. I mean, yeah, as I said, sex dreams are one thing, but uh, <laughs> sex dreams about a metal man that turns into a liquid metal man and then kisses you on your stomach as a liquid. <laughs> what? I'm just imagining like like Phineas and Ferb-esque. There's just this liquid of puddle on the floor and it just forms two lips. And it just... Uh. Like... <laughs> you can see why I saved this one for last. I, and and this one this one gets a five sheep out of five sheep. Yeah, this is, a five, this is five out of five, certainly. It's just too good, especially with the photos accompanying. I'm so happy that she attached a photo of Busta Rhymes. I mean, come on, you can't have somebody in your dream named Busta and it not be Busta Rhymes. Right. <laughs> good oh, lord. Good lord. This lady got some things she got to work out. Truly. Oh, well, you know, uh, th- thank you for coming on the show. This has been a ball. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Connor. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with a synopsis, fast facts and a data breakdown after Vanilla Sky by Paul McCartney. And we are back. You're listening to Radio DePaul. I'm Connor Mudd, and this is Tom Talks. You just listened to Vanilla Sky by Paul McCartney. And that, of course, is our movie today, Vanilla Sky. We're going to go into a quick synopsis. I'll try to keep it as quick as I can, followed by some fast facts and a data breakdown. This movie is about David Ames, the owner of a large publishing company that he inherited from his father. Uh, And it starts with him in prison. He's wearing a prosthetic mask and telling his life story to a court psychologist, Dr. Curtis McCabe. In flashbacks, David leaves the duties of the publisher to his father's trusted associates while living as a playboy in Manhattan. He is introduced to Sophia Serrano by his best friend, Brian Shelby, during a party. David and Sophia spend the night together at Sophia's apartment and fall in love, unaware that David's current lover, Julie Gianni, has followed them there. As David leaves, Julie offers him a ride and soon reveals her jealousy of Sophia. She purposely crashes the car, killing herself and drastically disfiguring David. Doctors cannot completely repair David's face using plastic surgery, leaving it scarred and misshapen. David wears a prosthetic mask around others, but the mental and physical scarring from the accident causes him to become withdrawn and depressed. Brian convinces David to join him and Sophia at a club, but David ends up drunk and insults the two. They leave him to wallow in the street outside the club. The next morning, Sophia returns to David asleep on the street and apologizes to him. She takes him home and over time helps David emotionally recover. Doctors find a way to surgically repair David's face despite the prior prognosis. While David's life seems perfect, he notices strange oddities, such as brief visions of his distorted face and a man at a bar who tells David that he could control the world and everyone in it. One day while at Sophia's, David wakes up to find himself facing Julie with all the photos of Sophia's face replaced by Julie's. Out of confusion and shock, he suffocates Julie. David is arrested and imprisoned and finds his face no longer reconstructed and he's once again wearing the mask. Dr. McCabe conducts several more interviews, which serve to help David recall the name Life Extension. Seeing a company with that name nearby, McCabe arranges to take David there under guard. The company representative, Rebecca, explains how Life Extension uses cryonic suspension to save those with terminal illnesses until a cure can be found, keeping them in a lucid dream state to otherwise exercise their mind. 
David realizes that he is in his own lucid dream and escapes McCabe and the guards while calling for tech support. And he rushes for the building's lobby, which is suddenly empty, uh, and an elevator opens, revealing the strange man from the bar who invites him in. As the elevator climbs to the top of an impossibly tall building, the man explains to David that he is tech support and that David has been in suspension for 150 years, starting shortly after the night at the club where Sophia broke up with him. David opted for life extension to be woken when technology could repair his face and left the publishing company in the hands of his father's associates. As part of the program, David had opted for a lucid dream based on the vanilla sky from Claude Monet painting The Sign at Argentile. However, the equipment had merged elements of his subconscious, such as Julie, uh, or McCabe as his father figure within the dream, forcing them to pull him out of the lucid dream state. They emerge on the rooftop, high above the clouds. Tech support tells David that while they have fixed his lucid dream, he has a choice of either being put back in the dream or to be woken up in reality, requiring a literal leap of faith off the roof that will wake him from his sleep. David opts to wake up, despite a vision of McCabe warning him against it. Before jumping, David envisions Brian and Sophia to say his goodbyes. David jumps, and his life flashes before his eyes before hitting the ground. A female voice commands him to open your eyes, and David opens his eyes. Yeah, this is another one of his weird ones. He's got a lot of weird ones. Honestly, the ones that aren't weird are his action movies, but this one's weird in a different way. It's not eyes wide shut weird, but... I don't know. It's very kitschy, and it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be a drama. It feels like it's supposed to be something else than it is. But we'll talk about some fast facts and why that may be. This is directed by Cameron Crowe, who, of course, we remember directed Jerry Maguire, but he also did Almost Famous in singles, and he also wrote the adapted screenplay for this. This was adapted from uh, a film called Abre los Ojos, a Spanish-language film, which was written by Alejandro Amenebar and Mateo Gil, but this was a really interesting version and it shared actually shared one one actress in the cast Sophia is played by Penelope Cruz who played the same role in Abre los Ojos you may also know her if you're unfamiliar with Penelope Cruz you might have seen her in Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides or Sex in the City too Julie is played by Cameron Diaz you know there's just something about Mary Charlie's Angels Shrek Shrek 2 uh, this is the first of two Cameron Diaz movies with Tom Cruise, Night and Day is, of course, the second one, and we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. McCabe is played by Kurt Russell, who, uh, again, these are these are wildly famous people. I shouldn't have to give you their resumes, but Hateful Eight, Escape from L.A., Fox and the Hound. He was, one of, he was the voice of either the Fox or the Hound. I honestly don't know. Kurt Russell's great. That's, uh, that's all I'm going to say. Brian is played by uh, Jason Lee from My Name is Earl. Honestly, I love My Name is Earl. I think the concept of that show is phenomenal. The execution's a little off, but if you haven't seen My Name is Earl, you've got to. Uh, Rebecca is played by Tilda Swinton. Rebecca is played by Tilda Swinton, who is in Snowpiercer, Grand Budapest Hotel, Doctor Strange, Benjamin Button, Narnia. She's the ice queen or snow queen from Narnia, which is fun. Conan O'Brien is in this at some point. Uh, Michael Shannon is in this, which is pretty exciting. And there's a dude listed in the cast as um, Dude Fix Your Face Guy. That's played by Mark Kozilek. Hasn't done much else, but, you know, he played the Dude Fix Your Face Guy. As far as fun facts go, there, there's an alternative ending to this movie where it all leads to the same conclusion, but it does it in a different way. It involves a SWAT team and the Beach Boys Good Vibrations and a bunch of other stuff. 
but I didn't feel the need to share that in my synopsis. The only other fun fact that I think is worth mentioning is that Tom Cruise actually believes that this is his best film that he's ever done. This is the one that, that he has said is the top of the top, the cream of the crop. And I cannot help but disagree. This one is, it's preposterous and it's over the top in all the wrong ways. The cast is phenomenal, uh, but that doesn't make a good movie. We, we've had plenty of bad movies with great casts. It didn't receive the award recognition that I think they were hoping. It got nominated for one Oscar, and that was for Best Original Song, and that was Paul McCartney's Vanilla Sky. And that didn't win, obviously. But yeah, I, I, I rated this movie not especially high. Uh, as, as you know, I, I rate my movies on enjoyment, engagement, quality, iconography, and the Tom Cruise factor to get a meta score out of 100. This one, I don't know, I was engaged more than anything else. It's not super Tom Cruise-y. It's not iconic, really, at all. No one remembers Vanilla Sky. Thank God no one remembers Vanilla Sky. So I give it a 57 out of 100. My par is about 62, but other movies like like Magnolia. Magnolia, a movie that the more I think about it, the more I dislike it. I like more than this because Magnolia at least was so bad. I was intrigued. And this was just like, you know, for lack of a better word, this was so vanilla. But yeah, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tune in next week for my third holiday special where I talk about Minority Report. And as always, stay gold, pony boy.